This is It Was a Thing on TV. Spoiler number one is Dr. Lee Franz. It stinks. What is going on? <laughs> what is going on? Episode 63, submission number 957. The Money Maze. The Money Maze aired weekdays on ABC Daytime from December 23rd, 1974 to June 27th, 1975 for a total of 135 episodes. At least one source online says that The Money Maze ran until July 4th of 1975 with the final week of episodes after June 27th of 1975 being a week of reruns. Oh yeah. So 1975 in game shows. Yeah. Everything was big. Yep. You You had big cards on Gambit. You had big dice on the big showdown, O Future installment big showdown. You had big dice and big numbers on high rollers. You had a big pinball machine on the Magnificent Marble Machine, also a future entry. And now you have a big... Basically, a, a, a rat maze. Yeah. A big, big rat maze. You, people are human lab rats in this big maze. Well, not necessarily lab rats, but running around uh, like lab rats in a maze. Yep. On one of the last, one of the last, if not the last shows to originate from New York City. No, there's more that originated from New York City after yeah. 1975. Yeah, I know. Like, I, like, I mean, it would be a while, though. Yeah, like we, we talked about past entry, past the buck, which taped at the Ed Sullivan Theater. And, and then sure. even if you get into To Tell the Truth from 1980, that recorded at 30 Rock. Oh, yeah, that did. And, and even uh, To Tell the Truth back in uh, uh, back in the 70s with Joe Garagiola and uh, Gary Moore, that was New York. And that might have been at 30 Rock, if I remember correctly. Yeah, but wasn't uh, Biff Henderson like a stage producer in that version? I do think you're right about that. Yes. By oh. the way, by the way, not the only Letterman alum we'll talk about in this episode. Oh, not at all. No, they no, they no. Did. But yeah, uh, the Money Maze was just top lines with uh, top notch talent. You had a reporter from Cincinnati. Fresh off of a talk show, if I'm not mistaken. Guy by the name of Nick Clooney. Who'd that guy be? 
I think he did the talk show and, and Money Maze at the same time. Uh, he just uh, did. Because actually, while doing research, because you know we occasionally do research on this show, the Money Maze and his talk show in Cincinnati aired consecutively. Yep. Whoa. In fact, uh, WKRC, which was an ABC affiliate at the time, aired the Nick Clutie show at 10.30, and then aired Money Maze at 11 after the Nick Clutie show. Whereas the rest of the, can- the rest of the country got Money Maze at 10.30. Now, what channel was that? What station? WKRC. It's a CBS affiliate now, oh. but it, back in the day, it was an ABC affiliate. Oh, okay. It you... used to be. It used to be owned by Taft. William okay. Howard Taft. Oh no. No. Oh, okay. Now, seriously, I think you need to give that station some justice. WKRC in Cincinnati. Bravo. Bravo. I'm surprised you two didn't think of it first. Oh, I was, but you said it first. Well, oh, yeah. It's like, get... we were all thinking it. You said it. Well, early bird gets the worm there, bucko. Um, <laughs> but in addition to Nick Clooney, oh, by the way, in case you don't know who Nick Clooney is, for years before AMC became AMC that showed Mad Men and, and Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, they showed old movies. They were essentially the, the, the original Turner Classic movies. And he was one of those hosts who would give a little snippet and background about the movie coming up. And he did that for years. He did that in the 80s and the 90s. And I'm sure he probably uh, was there even up until the uh, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Back when it was American Movie Classics and not AMC. You know, the, the, AMC. The we air Killing Eve when BBC America doesn't. Oh, and I totally forgot about Walking Dead. Yeah, there's a little show on there called Walking Dead, too. But yeah, that's who Nick Clooney is. is he was the guy who uh, introduced a ton of the movies that uh, American Movie Classics showed back in the good old days, as it were. But he's also known for something else besides that. Well, yeah, his sister is singer Rosemary Clooney. Yes. Oh uh, yeah, he has. He had a kid. He had a kid who grew up to be Batman, and that kid's name is George Clooney. Wait, wait a second. Wait a second, Chico. You mean the George Clooney from Future Entry, the 1984 CBS comedy ER? No, he means George Clooney from future installment, the final season of Facts of Life. Oh, okay. One and the same. That guy. But we really also shouldn't overlook the announcer. Uh, no, we shouldn't. Uh, guy who, if you love announcers, you heard his voice numerous times and you immediately know Alan Coulter. A.K.A. Big Red. Yeah. And, and gosh knows, he announced everything. I mean, he did U- USA uh, commercials back in the day. He did. And he's done To Tell the Truth. And he's done The Pyramid. He, he did voiceovers for Sports Channel, I remember. Yep. Yeah. I mean, he's done everything. and, and But yeah, this is uh, one of those early shows where he cut his teeth. I mean, at the time, 
since this is 45 years ago, he couldn't have been much older than about 30 or so. No. Because I think he's, he's got to be in the 75, younger than 80, but older than 75 range, I'd think. So he would have been in his early 30s at that point. Hold on. I will Wikipedia it. Okay. Uh, March 21st to 43, he is 77. So he would so, have been 31. He would have been 32. Yeah, uh, yeah, 32. Okay, 31, 32 when this aired. Yeah. So he was just a pup at the time. I I know he did a com- I I know he did a commercial for like Gillette razors around this time, and he was actually on camera. This would have been around the same time Money Maze was on. Maybe been his first show. Might have been his first show. Taking um, I mean, he doesn't have a big filmography, uh, but the first thing listed is Money Maze. Hmm. But I mean, the the pyramid he did. It says twenty five thousand dollar pyramid. That's obviously uh, well. I I would Might assume. Be- Maybe the Cullen version. Well, I was going to say, I'd assume the Cullen version, plus also he may have been one of those fill-in announcers for the $20,000 pyramid because they went through a slew of announcers. I know uh, Alan Coulter did the 1980 version to Tell the Truth with Robin Ward. Uh, for some reason, I want to say he also did some with um, with Joe Garagiola. I don't think he did... Um, he may have done with, with Gary Moore, but I, I, I'm pretty sure he did... Uh, to tell the truth, uh, sometime in the mid to late 70s. Oh, and also, I'm going to say it right now, the 1980 version of To Tell the Truth, it's going on the list. Okay. Yeah, because that, I mean, we've seen like a couple episodes of uh, 1980 To Tell the Truth here here and there over the years, and uh, it's something. It's a, I mean, considering we now have the current version on ABC with Anthony Anderson, if you go back to the history of To Tell the Truth, it's certainly a, a, a notable entry into the To Tell the Truth canon. In a number of ways. I mean, well, we, we won't get into the, uh, the reasons, but uh, it is very um, worthy of induction, if you will. So now that we've gotten over the, the cast... We haven't even gotten to the crew with the production uh, staff. Uh, it was uh, created by two gentlemen, Don Lip and Ron Greenberg. Ron Greenberg is a big name in the business, if you don't know who he is. Uh, he produced Joker's Wild and Tic-Tac-Toe. He created the Challengers and the Who, What, or Where game. And he, he's a, a good person. I know Chico, I believe, has met him on one or two occasions. He's good people. I have met him, and actually, one show he also did, Future Installments, Let's Make a Deal, from 1990. And he did the Pop and Rocker game, so we should add that, too. But uh, so, so Ron Greenberg and Don Lip uh, co-created this game. Uh, they also co-created, uh, as we mentioned earlier, another show from 1975, The Big Showdown. Uh, it was also produced not just by Don Lit Productions, but it was also produced by Daphne Productions. And the big name behind Daphne Productions is Dick Cavett. Yes. That Dick Cavett? Yeah, that Dick Cavett was behind the money maze, uh, behind the production of it at least, yes. You learn something every day listening to this podcast. I was today years old when I learned that. Yeah, we bring this show up now because 
about a month to a month and a half, maybe even closer to two months ago, uh, an episode surfaced online on YouTube, and I made an executive decision. We, we were going to be doing mind readers here, but mind readers, uh, we can't really get a whole heck of a lot of mileage out of that, I don't think. It was a very bland game, even though it's sort also, of... And also, it's the worst good Sid Todman show ever, easily. Yeah, I was just about to say, also, it sucked. Well, yeah, and but it did give us the last car game in Card Sharks in 1988-89-ish, where you have the group of 10 people. Okay, how many people said this? And you have that little marker, and if you're like two away or one away, you get $500, and if you're on the nose, you get the car. The, the, the basis of that was the end game on, uh, on Mind Readers. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that might be the only good thing about Mind Readers, but we may cover that eventually. But so, yeah, watching this this new episode, we've had the pilot out there for ages. I mean, it's been it's made the rounds on the trading circuit for at least 25 years at this point. And the pilot is different than the regular show. We're going to focus on the regular show. But after you see the pilot and then you see what happened on the regular show, it's like, this is not a bad game. Or at least not a bad show. Maybe the game is a little weak, but the, the show itself, I mean, you've got this maze, and the maze is somewhere in the realm of about 50 feet by 100 feet. So that's, I mean, humongous. That's that's gigantic, 50 feet by 100 feet in a studio. And what the object was, was... Uh, well, it starts with uh, a question round uh, with two couples, and they're given a category, and then there's two answers on the board, and one couple gets to choose which question the other couple will answer, and generally you'd expect them to pick the harder, or at least the, the perceived harder of the two questions uh, for the other couple. And then after that question is answered right or wrong, then, uh, well, if it's right, we reverse the process. The couple that just answered picks the next uh, question to be given from the one that was left over previously and then a new one. And then you repeat that process until the, the questions are exhausted. I believe there were eight questions in a round. So after eight questions, if one team was still playing, they went to the maze and they received one point per correct answer. Both teams received one point per correct answer. If uh, both teams had bombed out, I would assume the team with the higher score went to the maze. And if both teams were tied, they had one jump-in question from that category to determine who goes into the maze. And the maze is where it gets fun. So originally, there was just a prize put in the maze, and you had 15 seconds to go get it. Uh, and and you know, one person will run in the maze, the other spouse will guide, will tell the husband or the wife, go left, go right, you know, turn around, go through the revolving door. Oh, we should tell you, in the maze, there were diagonal doors, and there is also a revolving door in the middle of the maze. So that's a nice little shortcut if you think about it. It's a shortcut, but at the same time, it could also really, really trip you up. Yeah, depending on the timing and, and how well you pay attention to directions. And so the object was get to the specific side of the podium that has 
that prize. And so the podium would be marked off with a little uh, design on top of the, the podium they need to get to. And then also the four sides of the top of the podium, one of them would light up because there are four different buzzers on the podium and it would just be too easy for you to hit one of them. So you had to hit a specific one. If you saw the top of the uh, the, the, the podium was lit, the, the top, the back side, you'd have to hit the back button on the podium. If it was on the right side, you'd have to hit the right button on the podium and so on and so forth. And there were, I think it was about 10 podiums within the money maze. They did alter the maze slightly between episodes. I mean, if you think about it, it takes some time to completely change up the maze. But they did, from what I've read, change up the maze. They did have different configurations for each tape date. So you'd have the same general configuration, but you'd have slight alterations every episode. So I mean, that's good that you know they, they change it a little bit just so you know the, the 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 champs can't just you know go through the maze and pick up all the stuff and because they remember what the general configuration was for the first two episodes with maybe a minor tweak or two here or there. Later in the show's run, there was a second little bonus wrinkle added, and this is actually on the episode that is on YouTube where you can go for the main prize in 15 seconds, or if you want an additional 10 seconds, you can go for the, that prize and $500. So you'd get 25 seconds to get those two towers. On the episode that was recently posted, there were also little, I don't want to call them bribes, but the incentives they gave you were points. So, okay, if you want to go for... 25 seconds to go for the refrigerator and the $500. We'll also give you three bonus points if you get to both towers. And at least on, I don't want to spoil it, but at least on the episode on YouTube, every round was let's go for the bonus points. And I know there was one round with three. There might've been a round where they offered six bonus points or nine bonus points to try and make the game a little tight if you had, you know, one team go to the maze for the first two rounds and then the other team go to the maze for the third round. It all sort of didn't matter because in the end, there's always the catch-up round. There, there's got to be, I'm not going to call it a golden snitch per se, but, oh, you're down 32 to 4 points. Here's the catch-up round. You can still win the game. Don't lose hope. A.K.A. you're screwed unless you get really lucky. So what the final round was, no maze involved. It was just questions. The same format we saw earlier where you're given two answers. The opponents pick which one you're going to play. And for each one you get right, you there's a, a progressive system. You get one additional point compared to the value of the last question. So first question's worth one point, second question's worth two, third is worth three, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you can go until you miss. And obviously, if you don't have as, at least as many points as your opponents, you lose, they win the game. But if you surpass their total, they get one chance doing the same thing where they can surpass you and win the game. 
I'm not going to spoil how the game ends. You've got to see it yourself. But then the $10,000 dash. Oh, get oh. your popcorn ready. The, the presentation of this, I think, was absolutely just amazing. So the $10,000 is hidden in the maze on five of the podiums. Four of the podiums contain the zeros. And then one podium contains, as Nick Clooney would say, the all-important one. Because here's the catch. If you don't get that one, you're winning nothing. You, it's basically, you win what you push. You push all zeros, guess what you're going home with? Zero. Well, not even necessarily. We'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, there were some instances, and this may have been the same couple. Uh, I, I've heard conflicting reports about this. But there was one couple that went in the maze, and they got a zero. And then they got another zero. And then they got a third zero. And then they got a fourth zero. And then the husband went out of the maze. And you have to hit a, a button that was affectionately called the birthday cake. Because it did sort of look like a small towered birthday cake kind of sort yeah, of. It kind of looks like an upside down chandelier sort of deal. Yeah, that works. It's, it's a, an app comparison. So they hit all. Uh, so the husband hit all four zeros, came out of the maze. Hit the button. Sorry, you didn't hit the one. You won absolutely nothing. Nothing! Absolutely nothing! And then, I, 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 this may have been the same couple. Uh, again, I've, I've heard uh, differing stories about this. So the runner went in and got a one and a zero and ran back out and won $10. Stupid! You're so stupid! But then, and uh, again, this is another one that is uh, corroborated by a couple of uh, sources. There is, uh, there, this may be the first situation where an expletive, albeit sort of on the mild side nowadays, aired on TV. So there was a, a, a runner named Warren, and his wife was giving the directions from the crow's nest and uh warren was really bad at following directions and the thing is if you watch the pilot you can see you know bernie go to the right go to the right no go to your other right it's like but the thing is you, you uh, you're remember, almost expecting somebody to say military right well well the thing is yeah exactly that you know your right as you view it may not be your partner's right when he's in the maze because you know his right may take him to the back or may take him to the front or may take him to, to the left depending on which direction he's facing so yeah poor warren he had uh, some issues uh he was actually the person that hit four zeros and got nothing but then uh apparently on another show he may have been the one that that got the ten dollars but also, again, you had to hit that birthday cake button to win the money. So it's all fine and well that you hit the one and the four zeros. But if you don't hit that birthday cake, uh-uh, you get nothing. Also, one other thing we should mention, and apparently this, this happened only on the first episode. 
only on the first episode, interestingly enough. So what happens if the two couples tie? Well, the two couples did tie, at least in the first episode. And again, from what I see, this is the only time two couples tied, as far as people know. Both couples get to run the $10,000 dash. What? I'm sorry, what? Hey, it's not my money. Yeah, both couples get to run the $10,000 dash. And on that first episode, believe it or not, both couples won the $10,000. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's going to leave a mark. Yeah, you know, compared with some of the other shows that ABC was airing at the time, I don't think it was much of a financial sting. Because remember, they had $10,000 pyramid, uh, and it wouldn't be changed to $20,000 pyramid for uh, pretty much another year to year and a half until I think mid-76. And then you had Split Second. Uh, well, split, yeah, Split Second would have been in its waiting days then. Uh, they didn't give a whole heck of a lot of money away. Big Showdown gave away $10,000 if you could roll Showdown on the first roll, and supposedly that only happened once, but still Rolling Showdown was worth $5,000. And then Password, this was the era that, oh yeah, future installment Password back in 75 and also Password All-Stars. They had that convoluted bonus game where you could win like $4,000 or $5,000, and they played it like two or three times per day, it seemed. So a little $10,000 hit, it's just a flesh wound. Invoking one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, It's just a flesh wound. It's just a flesh wound, absolutely. I'm okay. And uh, I believe Chico mentioned earlier it aired at the 4 o'clock hour over most of the country, but Chico did mention Cincinnati aired it at 11 after the Nick Clooney show. Interestingly enough, uh, doing again, doing research here in Cleveland where I live, it aired at 11 o'clock too. It was on against, uh, I believe, High Rollers. Did you know that there was a Money Maze pilot done in 2009? I what? did not know that. No, what? Who hosted this? Well, I don't know because it was done for a network in France. Oh. But still, I mean, it, it had a six-month run here, and lo and behold, 35 years later almost, there was a French pilot for it. Well, it, it just seems like, like that the grown people run around in a uh, mouse maze. I don't know. It just seems like something that French people would watch. Maybe it's because I've watched a little too much of French Prices Right this week uh, while going down rabbit holes. They got some weird pricing games. Hey, you know what? I'm gonna watch that later. <laughs> hey, couldn't be any more weirder than Future Entry, the early teens version of Australian Prices Right. Oh, don't even get me started on that. Um, actually, the set was very similar to the Australian version of Prices Right from that time. Uh, so was the logo. So was the logo, and the uh, at least they had a better variety of games, but they have some weird games. I mean, they have games that you know and love here. They have Plinko and 
some version of Punch a Bunch, and they've got uh, cliffhangers, albeit a different type of cliffhangers. It was very weird watching uh, how they do cliffhangers or, or how they do cliffhangers at different times, let's say. But, uh, yeah, France took some weird liberties with some of their games. But, uh, well, now we're getting kind of sort of off track here. Yeah, we're That's another get, entry for another day. We're getting back on track. And uh, maybe it's just me, guys. This, I think, would be a great show to revive. And hear me out. We've had Wipeout, and we have Holy Moly, and those are two shows that are done in an outside setting. Could you imagine a money maze being done on an outdoor set? I can imagine a money maze being done on an outdoor set on a two-tiered maze. Or would that be too hard? Oh, that's that's brilliantly evil. A two-tiered maze. Put it in prime put it in prime time, bump up the stakes, bump up the difficulty, dude. Yeah, make it a hundred thousand dollars, put six numbers on the podiums, five zeros and a one. Yeah, I mean and besides and besides, we this summer, summer of twenty twenty, has already proven that there is a market for people who like to watch other people run around trying to chase things. Hi Ultimate Tag, how you doing? There is a round that's very much like Money Maze on Ultimate Tag, where Tag is being done in a maze. Kind of, sort of. Mm-hmm. So it's conceivable. You never know. I'm not going to hold my breath, but weirder things have happened. So that's the Money Maze. Does anybody have anything to add? Did you talk about what Mark Avanier said about the, uh, about the set? I did not. Okay, so this maze, you said it was 50 by 100. It was yeah. it was so it was so large and the studio was so, you know, high. I am guessing it was a two one of those two-story deals cuz you have the the, the the maze on the ground and then in the balconies you have the audience and the stage. So that would be like um I think you're talking uh Maybe two-thirds of your local performing arts center sort of deal. Now... Yeah, I, I, yeah, uh, I mean, so, it, it, was, it was stuffed in there, yeah. Yeah. So, they, so the set was so large, it took an entire crew an entire day to set it up, and then they taped the five shows, and then they'd have to break it down for another day. So, for every five shows that aired... They had to take three days worth of production time to produce. That's expensive. And according to Mark Avanier, uh, the producer of the show, Don, S- Don Siegel, described Money Maze as the first game show where the stage crew took home more money than the contestants. Which is probably not wrong. You're absolutely right about that. Again, that gets very expensive very quickly, especially when you're talking about three days to record five episodes or rather you're paying the staff three days worth to to get five episodes done that's that's not uh terribly cheap uh, no, oh, no, no, oh, no 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 oh and i'm gonna also add a couple more things 
Uh, talking about the uh, 2009 uh, revival for uh, French television, it was for network TF1, or as we'd say in French, TF1. And it was Ron Greenberg with Don Lip, who I believe passed away in 2009, so this is maybe one of the last things he did. And also Phil Gurren, who we know from, gosh, what ha- hasn't he done in the last 20 years? Weakest Link. 21. Yeah, t- 21, absolutely. So he, he's a definite known commodity in the business, again, especially the last 20 years. Uh, but also I should add that contestants were on for either three shows or they were automatically retired when they won the $10,000. So you couldn't win it three times and get $30,000. So once you won the $10,000, you're gone. After three days, you're gone. And in those three days, I mean, realistically, I mean, the prizes, at least again on the one surviving episode that's on YouTube, they just racked up. Uh, You had furs and you had appliances. I mean, I I think in terms of prizes, the, the couple that day, not counting cash, won in the range of like $5,000 of prizes. Again, uh, I, I know there's a fur. I believe there was a, a refrigerator or a kitchen of some sort. So, I mean, just in the prizes, you could make a good haul. In addition to the episode that we mentioned popped up on YouTube within the last month or two, there's one other episode known to exist, and it's available at the Paley Center uh, for Media. It is an episode that was recorded by, of all people, Andy Warhol. Wow. Yeah, I mean, given Andy Warhol was you know, an artist, somebody who you know, thought outside the box, a, a, a pop culture icon, I'm not surprised that you know, he'd record this pop culture type of stuff, even though tapes would have been absolutely expensive in the day. But yeah, you can go to the Paley Center, at least in New York. I don't think the the Beverly Hills one exists anymore. Uh, and you can see the money maze from the Andy Warhol collection. Do you want me to take a ride on the subway once this whole coronavirus thing is over? And, and, t- and say, go to the Paley Center and say, hey, I want to watch the money maze. Well, it isn't done like that. I've actually been to the Paley Center in Los Angeles, or Beverly Hills, I should say. And it's actually all computerized. You actually like search a database. Oh. You type in what word you want to uh, of the show you want to see, and they give you the results. And then you click on, or at least, again, this is 15 years ago since I did this, but this is the the process. You you pick the episode from that database from uh, picking on a computer screen, and then it loads up. Oh, now, now obviously it might be a little more different nowadays with on demand video and. And stuff like that with the technology changing. But yeah, it isn't like you go to the library and say, oh, can I, you know, borrow the copy of Money Maze and can I have the copy of this show and that show? No, no, it's all automated. And at least when I went, you got two hours to watch as many shows as you wanted. And so, you know, it was four half hour shows. And I got to see stuff that doesn't necessarily exist, or at least much doesn't exist anymore. Oh, and Greg? Yeah. One thing uh, we've got to mention, uh, who was the cue card uh, person or a cue card person on, on the Money Maze? 
Oh, that would be that would be Nick's son George. Yeah, that, that, that'd be, yeah, young George that we talked about earlier. Uh, but also on top of the episode that uh, Andy Warhol recorded, there was a brief clip from an episode. Maybe it's the existing episode. I don't know. Uh, that aired in 2004 uh, when uh, Chuck Barris and uh, young George Clooney were promoting the movie Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Oh. Not, not that Chuck Barris had anything to do with the show, but... Well, well maybe, I mean, maybe because of the game show connection. Yeah, because oh, well, yeah, well, yeah, Chuck, was, yeah. Yeah, Chuck was in yeah. the ABC family with Dating Game and Newlywed Game. Uh-huh. Yeah, but, but remember, Newlywed Game got canceled, and what was replaced by it? The Money Maze! Money Maze, yeah. Yeah, because the final show was right around Christmas of 74, and, and Money Maze and Big Showdown premiered the following Monday, so... A little bit of weirdness there, but yeah, I totally get you know Chuck Barris and his star for the movie was George Clooney, and you know there's the game show connection and all that, but just kind of weird that the show that replaced one one of his biggest shows, if not his biggest, happened to be this show that that George Clooney's dad was on. Well, I think that's all we got. Chico, let's get through the maze and take us home. Okay, well, 1975, banner year for game shows, banner year for larger-than-life game shows, banner year for game shows that had a hook, most of which would not see the end of 1975. Nobody would think that in 1975, you could see grown people run around a maze looking for zeros and ones to try and cash a $10,000 check. But, thanks to ABC and Nick Clooney, it was definitely a thing on TV. Absolutely, and as we said earlier, we are definitely going to cover more shows from that era. 1975 was a banner year for a number of reasons. All the weird game shows. I was born. End of story. That's the list. That's the list. Well... Uh, well, if you want to see more of the list, you can head on over to our website. It was a thing on TV.com. There you'll find all of our socials, all of our past episodes, more about the show, more about us, and of course, links to our Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, and Jack Dorsey's Cowardly Hate Box. Oh, yeah, especially but- in the last week. Yeah, Jack Dorsey's Cowardly Hate Box definitely deserves that title. Yeah, and, and we don't promote violence on our Twitter. We're we're very nice people. We are. I've met I've met Mike Dad. I've met Mike's dad. I can attest to this. Yes, he. What does my dad have anything to do with this? <laughs> He's gonna tell me that you're a nice. You're you're a good little very big boy. <laughs> oh, I, I thought you were just insinuating something about Twitter or violence or something no! like that. I, oh, okay. From it. Okay, okay, well. Yeah, well, uh, well, it, well, well, of course, if you met my dad, he would talk about his dream about having the moat around the outfield of City Field. Jeez. <laughs> but did you eventually do it? Okay, moving on. Oh, well, it's not my dream. It's my dad's <laughs> dream to build a motor. <laughs> also, don't forget that uh, right before this episode uh, got uploaded, we did a live show. We did our second live show. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
Yeah. Uh, we don't cover just the bad shows on here. We like all television and we felt it was worth doing a live show over the second season premiere of pressure luck because they brought back some classics. Oh boy. We have double your money plus a spin back and we've got the add a one. Oh, oh boy. Yeah. Add so, a one. Somebody could, somebody could be the, win one million dollars without having to go through the big bucks bananas bonus round uh i don't think anybody's winning a hundred thousand dollars in the first round a hundred thousand plus the one no it's a I, thought I, it, it, it's a, a nice hypothetical but yeah i'm sure the add a one is limited to just the first round but hey th- this is we haven't seen the show yet who knows what's ha- gonna happen yeah that's one of the reasons we're gonna cover this and, plus and also, also, it looks like plus also it looks like there's some new whammies out there. Yeah, uh, yeah. Wacky there's... waving inflatable whammy man. Wacky waving inflatable whammy man. I'll tell you what, guys. The Steve Harvey whammy is going to be in my nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> but more about that on the live show. Coming up later this week. Oh, I know everybody has something to say about this show. Uh, Not necessarily so bad, but there were just, there's a lot to dissect from it. Yeah, we're going to go through the the life and times of an Ohio native who who joins the army after dropping out of college. And then spent his life as a roustabout before being twice married with a misfit son. And they all live above a convenience store for some reason. Okay, you guys don't know what we're talking about. I think we've thoroughly stumped you. So (laughs) I'll I'll tell you this much. I bet Philip Jeffries knows what we're talking about. That's a Twin Peaks Peaks reference. (laughs) Oh, no. It always goes back to the Twin Peaks. You know this! Well, I know this, but maybe the people that listen to this don't know this. Well, if they've listened to two shows, they know everything goes back to Twin Peaks. Everything on this show comes back to two things. It's either Twin Peaks or the Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour. (laughs) (laughs) That's the list. That's the list. So you will find out what on earth we're talking about on the next episode of It Was a Thing on TV. Until then, for Mike, for Greg, I'm Chico. Do not forget, like, comment, subscribe, rate and review, and share. Because sharing is caring. And give us those little green slits of paper in your mommy's wallet. Nobody's going to roar. Row! Going towards the back, Bernie. Come out, honey. Make a left. Go straight, Bernie. Make a right, Bernie. Go to the back, Bernie. Four seconds. No, Bernie, come back Three seconds. Two seconds. Stop, 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 Bernie, 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 Bernie. No, 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 Bernie. You didn't make it, Bernie. <laughs>